Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Did everyone, how's everyone feeling today? Did you get enough sleep? That one hour, I know, boo, yeah. I'm not, I've been telling people in between services, I feel like if I were to lay my head down anywhere, anywhere, I'd be asleep within five minutes. It was a rough night of sleep, but I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited to see everybody and to be worshiping with all of you today. And you know what? I'm actually not gonna spend any more time kind of chit-chatting at the beginning of the sermon because if you were in here last week, the 11 o'clock service, you know I went over, I went over with my time, I'll admit it. I spoke about 10 minutes longer than I was supposed to, yikes. Uh, And I, as I'm talking towards the end, the lights turned off and the video for the end of service started playing. Do you guys remember that? I'm like, they're trying to play me off. This is like I'm giving an acceptance speech at an award show. They're like, yeah, wrap it up, buddy, wrap it up. So I'm not gonna waste any more time. We're just gonna hop in to today's sermon. We're I'm gonna start reading God's word today. You guys ready to learn from God's word today? You guys ready? All right, here we go. We're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 10 today. If you wanna follow along, if you have your own physical Bible and you wanna follow along, Hebrews chapter 10. If not, we'll have the verses up on the screen. I'm gonna look at verses one through four and then verses 11 through 18. This is what the author of Hebrews writes. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. This kind of calls back to where we were in part one of this series, how Jesus is the exact representation of God. And this new covenant that he mediates is a perfect covenant. This new covenant is a better covenant than the old one. The old one was a shadow. It was a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. So rather than perfectly cleansing them and they can walk away with a clean conscience and man, I'm good before God and everything's great now, instead of that, actually what it did is it served as a reminder of their sin. It served as a reminder of their fallen nature and the ways that they have not lived up to God's law. Verse four says, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Skipping down to verse 11, it says this, under the old covenant, The priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand, and there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering... Jesus forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to this. 
For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Amen. Isn't that good stuff? That is good stuff right there. If you're a sermon note taker, our title for today is Once and for All. Once and for all. Can you say that with me? Once and for all. There is power in that phrase, once and for all. That phrase is actually used three different times throughout the book of Hebrews twice right here in chapter 10. Once and for all. Once and for all time. Good for all time. There is power in this phrase, and that's what we're going to unpack today as we study God's word here in part three of this series, Better, studying the book of Hebrews. If you haven't been with us, I would encourage you to go online, check out where we've been so far in this series. Um, Let me give you just a quick little recap. We're studying the book of Hebrews, this book that we just can't do justice in four weeks. It's a, a monumental piece of theology. There's so much doctrine in it. It's just a great book. I would encourage you to read it on your own. But what we're looking at is what the main theme of Hebrews is, the main theme. We, we know that Hebrews was written in about 63 AD, about 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. We don't know who wrote it, um, but those things, those are kind of more secondary issues because the main issue of Hebrews is what it's discussing. What main point is it trying to get at? And the main point of the book of Hebrews is this, that Jesus has come to change our lives for forever and for the better, amen? Who can testify that that's been true in their life? Jesus has come, he has changed things for forever and for the better. This is what we looked at in week one. We studied Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three. I wanna read these real quick. It says this, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to his son as an inheritance and through the son, he created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. That's what we are looking at. We are looking at how Jesus is the better that we've been waiting for. He's the better that we've been looking for. Part one of this series, we talked about how Jesus is the better picture of God that we needed. That when we look at the Old Testament, when we look at everything from Genesis to Malachi, what we're seeing is wonderful and it's good and it's a revelation of God, but it's not a perfect revelation of God. Because until Jesus steps on the scene, we don't see God for what he truly is. But as the writer of Hebrews says, in this moment, in Jesus, we see God in HD. We see God in 4K. We see God for who he truly is, his very essence, his very nature. Jesus is a better picture of God. And then last week, we talked about this idea out with the old and with the new, that with Jesus, the, the old covenant, the old way of relating to God has been fulfilled, and a new way, a new covenant uh, way of relating with God has been introduced. Now, today, what we're going to be discussing is what that new covenant really looks like, what it means for us, why, why are things so much better because of Jesus. And as we start off today, I want to start with a story. Last August, so this last August, August 2022, uh, me, uh, my wife, and our kids, we went out to eat for my sister-in-law, Rachel. We went out for her uh, birthday, went to El Fagone. The, that's, that's the one that is right by, I don't know why I was misremembering. That's the one that's right by the theater, right? El Fagone, yes, okay. We went to El Fagone, we ate there. 
Typical things happen where kids just kind of get tired, right? They're like, I'm over this. I'm over being out. And so Griffin, our youngest, he's like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sit in here anymore. He's wanting to run around and play. I've already finished eating my food. So I'm like, hey, I'll take him out to the car. So me and Griffin go out to the car and we're in Jessica's uh, Honda Pilot and we're out there and I put him in the back seat and, you know, just try to keep him entertained and he's doing good back there. And as I'm sitting there waiting for everybody else to come out, I look and there's a bottle of lotion in front of me and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put some lotion on. My hands are kind of dry. So take my rings off, put them up on the dash, grab the lotion, put the lotion on. I can already hear some chuckles, people knowing where this is going. Put the lotion back down and I forget to put my rings on. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, I see the girls and everybody start to come out. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Put the car in reverse, back out of the parking spot, put it in drive. And as I move forward, the rings, boom, right down the front. I, it's like I watched it in slow-mo, but I couldn't do anything about it. The rings just right down into the dash. And I'm, I, I mean, I made an audible gasp. I said, ooh, like that, like just, oh, no, 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 no. And so I'm panicking, like, what do I do? What do I do? And so, you know, we drive up the road a little bit and then I pull into Lowe's to see if we can get it out there. I'm, I'm taking turns, like I'm driving with a Fabergé egg in the back seat. I'm like, the, the slowest turn you've ever seen in your life, right? So I'm trying to get it out. I can't get it. We're like, well, let's just get home. So we're home and then I'll try to work on it there. So we get home. I've watched, I'm looking at YouTube videos, trying to see and like, the, the, between the windshield and the dash, there is like a little lip and I can get my fingers around it. And I'm like, man, I could feel it. I could feel my rings because both of them are in there. I could feel them. I'm like, man, they're like right, they're like right there. And so I'm working on it, trying to get it and trying to like pull it up. And as that's happening, I'm like this, the windshield cracks. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, I just... What? Like, what is happening? This is like from a movie. Like things are just going worse. I'm about to destroy the car. The car is going to be on fire by the time the story's over. I'm like, no. I get out of the car and I'm like, Jessica, I, I broke the windshield. I broke the windshield. She's like, what? She comes around. She's like, well, stop. Don't do anything else, right? And so we're, we're like, we, we had been working out. We could hear one of the rings fell. Like we could hear one of the rings go ding, like down. Um, and so she takes it over to my father-in-law's house and he's able, like, he's able to get the rings. But out of the two rings, this is, this is my original wedding band, the one that I actually, I have not lost it. I've, you know, we're going on year 13. I still have not lost my original wedding band. So I still have that one. This one I got whenever I, I became ordained, which it means a lot to me, but I mean, it's a cheaper ring. I can replace this very easily. Um, it doesn't have as much significance as the wedding ring does. Of course, out of the two rings that fell that he was able to get, guess which one it was? This one, of course. Like, but we have this one. But from that moment on, from August all the way up till like a couple of weeks ago, I haven't had my other ring. I just got a silicone one and I've had it on there. Um, and we, just, we were just waiting until we had money to redo the uh, uh, windshield. And you know how it is. There's always something else more important. We're like, well, we can drive with it, right? We're, we're fine. We're We're good. So eventually we get to replacing an awesome guy in our church, Mikey Tapa. He came over, he does windshields and he, he replaces it. And as he's getting ready to take it off, um, we're, we're, like me and Jessica are joking. We're like, what do you think the odds are that this ring is still there? We're like, oh, no shot. Like we, we drove to Florida and back. This thing absolutely shifted at some point. He takes the windshield off. Sure enough, the ring is sitting right there. I'm like, <gasps> I picked it up so carefully because I'm like, wouldn't that be the thing? I go to pick it up and then it slips and goes into the engine block or something. So I finally, I finally got my ring back. 
but in that intervening time from August 2022 to like a couple weeks ago whenever we got our, our windshield replaced, every time, I didn't vocalize it, but every time I would get into Jessica's car to drive or anything like that, every single time when I saw that crack, I saw my stupidity. <laughs> every single time I saw that crack and I'm like, you idiot, what were you thinking? Like you just compounded this problem and now it's gonna cost me, like what in the world? What was I doing? What was I thinking? And as I was reading from Hebrews 10, whenever I was studying uh, this past week, I was like, you know what? That's, that's what it feels like whenever these people are offering sacrifices. What it says in Hebrews 10 verse three, it says, but instead those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins every year. That, that's what I feel like. These sacrifices that they were offering over and over again, they're having the same impact as me getting in that car, looking up and just, what was I thinking? What was I doing? What was, what was up? That's the same kind of feeling that God's people had as they were offering these sacrifices every year. Like, yep, another sin. Yep, another mistake. Yep, another regret. Yep, another thing that I have to ask for forgiveness for, yet another way that I haven't lived up to what God has wanted me to do. And, and I feel like that is so relatable, isn't it? Some parts of scripture can seem so far off and it can be hard to relate to. This one doesn't, <laughs> because we all have regrets. We all have cracks in the windshield that we're like, oh man, what was I thinking? What happened here? We all have those moments. We all have those regrets. And the thing that's so nasty about them is that it's so hard to drown them out, isn't it? Like, it's so hard to drown them out. We can have those things that come to our mind. And here's the thing. The two biggest things that we usually try to drown it out with are our regrets and our mistakes are white noise and work. <laughs> but some of the biggest regrets, white noise and work, won't work. Like, you, you try to stay busy. You try to work. You try to do this. You try to do that. You, you try to have white noise. You try to have play and fun to drown things out. But they come to you. And if, if you're anything like me, these are my biggest moments whenever I have stuff instantly pop into my head out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, I don't want to think about that. Like, that, I don't want to. I don't want to be there. It's whenever I'm in the shower, whenever I go to sleep, or whenever I'm going on a drive somewhere by myself. Any of those three things, instantly, it's like, remember this? Remember that tone you took? Remember the way you thought about that? Remember the thing you said? Remember that? And it's just devastating. It just, oh, it's that reminder of sin, that reminder of mistake, that reminder of regret. And here's here's the thing. On one hand, it can be good to remember our, our, our fallen condition, right? On one hand, in all honesty, some of us could use it a little bit more to remember where we were when Jesus pulled us out uh, of our depths, right? It could be a good thing to remember, man, this is where I was when Jesus found me. This is, this is where I was at. This is the kind of person that I was whenever he came and got me. It can be a good thing to remember where we were, but we just can't stay there for too long. Because what can be healthy can also lead to hopelessness. You stay too long in that depth of remembering where you were, of being reminded over and over of your sin, that's a hopeless feeling. Honestly, this is, this is kind of an aside to what we're talking about today, but relationships, not even romantic, friendships, employee-boss relationships, relationships end or relationships get harmed more often than not from this one thing from someone having a, a regret or a sin that has happened to them and dangling it over the other one. Remember? Remember what you did? Remember the way you talked to me? Remember what you said to me? Remember how you acted? It's, it's, it's hopeless. 
makes you feel like, man, I'm never gonna get past this. I'm never gonna be able to get past this moment. We all have regrets that white noise and work won't even drown out. And that's what the Day of Atonement was. That's what we're reading about whenever we read here about the sacrifices being offered in Hebrews 10. That's the Day of Atonement. It was a day that's one of the holiest in all of the Jewish calendar. You, you may have heard it. It's referred to as Yom Kippur. That's what the Day of Atonement is. Day of Atonement was a day filled with a lot of ritual and a lot of pomp and circumstance. What would happen every year is that they would, the high priest would have a bull slaughtered to cover for the sins of him and his family. And then what the high priest would do is take two goats. One would be slaughtered and then sprinkled uh, the blood on the Ark of the Covenant to atone uh, for the sins of the people. And then the other goat wouldn't be slaughtered, but it was called a scapegoat. That's where we get the term scapegoat from. The scapegoat, the high priest would lay his hands on the goat uh, and symbolically transfer the sin of the people onto the goat and then send it out into the wilderness. This is the stuff that would happen on the day of atonement. And that's what we read about here in Hebrews 10, this, the sacrifices that are being offered to cover the sins of the people. That's what the word atonement, it's the Jewish word, yahar. It literally means to cover, to cover. The day of, of atonement was a time when people would have their sins covered, but they would also have their sins conjured. People would have, have them conjured back up and reminded of where I've been and reminded of what I've done. And as I'm bringing my thing to sacrifice, I'm remembering how much I have fallen short of God's perfect standard. And that is a hopeless feeling. It's a hopeless feeling, especially whenever we read in scripture that even those sacrifices, even the good works, even the things that people are doing aren't actually taking the sin away, are they? They're not actually taking it away. We, we just read here, but instead those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. Verse four, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You can't do it. You see, sacrifices, and this, this applies to us today as well. Your sacrifices, they, they, they may be able to cover a sin, but they're not clearing the sin out. They're not taking it away. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how wonderful your sacrifice is. I don't, I don't care about your works or your words, anything. No matter how good it is, your sacrifices can cover sin, but it can't clear sin. Can't clear it out. Can't actually finally take it away. That's how, that's how serious our sins are. We, we can try to pretty it up. We use euphemisms a lot for sins. Like, oh, well, I made a mistake. Well, I just struggled, right? We, we use any word we can but that word, right? But our sin is serious enough that no matter how good we try, no matter what we offer, it will never be enough. It may cover it up for a while, but it will never clear it out on its own. You wanna know that's why here at Cornerstone we push life transformation as much as we can. That's why a lot of the sermons that I preach, you, you may be like, man, I wish we had more like how-to sermons or more like practical application sermons. I get it, and maybe they're coming sometime, but what I wanna do as much as possible whenever, I can, whenever I'm in the pulpit, I do not wanna teach and preach behavior modification. Seven steps to a better life. I don't wanna preach that. I, I don't wanna preach, preach behavior modification. I want to preach life transformation. Anything I get up here and say is not gonna change your life. Jesus and his work, that's it. That's the only thing. It's the life transformation that Jesus offers that truly changes us. It's the only thing that truly can do the work in us. 
At best, all we can do is cover our sins. At best, all we can do is pretty it up for a while, but we can't actually clear it and take it away. And we see that. We see that here at the Day of Atonement, what Hebrews 10 is describing, where God's people would have to do this over and over and over again. The Day of Atonement wasn't a one-time thing and then we're just done forever. They had to do this every single year. Every single year. They would have to come back and have new sacrifices to make atonement for their sins of the past year. It makes me think my youngest, uh, uh, son, my youngest kid, my son Griffin, um, he, I've never seen a kid hate haircuts like this kid hates haircuts. He just, he can't stand it. You name the trick to try to get him to like it, we've tried it and he does not like it. Like he just, he won't do it. We've tried everything. We've tried the, here, you hold the clippers. You wanna see how it feels? And no, no, it's not bad. And we've tried, we've tried the like really hands-on approach, the really laid back approach. None of it works. He just, he hates getting his hair cut. And so whenever me and Jessica do it, it is like the most tense 15 minutes you could imagine, right? Like it's us sitting down in the kitchen and I'm sitting on a chair and I'm just holding him. I'm just holding him. He's got his arms out and I'm holding him and he's just, ah! he's no, no, no. And we're, we're trying to calm down. We're like, buddy, it's okay. You're not getting hurt. And she's trying to trim his hair while he's moving all over the place. We're trying everything, right? It's, it's terrible. And so finally, whenever it's over and he's done hyperventilating, right? Like we set him down and he's, he's coming off. And me and Jessica are doing the same thing. We're like, oh, oh my gosh. And so we breathe a sigh of relief, like, it's over. Till next month, <laughs> right? Till, till the next haircut. It's over for now, but another haircut's coming up. And if you see him today, you'll be like, yep, he's got another. You guys can be saying a prayer because he's got another haircut coming up in the next couple days. And we're gonna need some prayers <laughs> in the young household because it's just, it's stressful. And even though we can take care of it, even though we can cover it for a little while, guess what? That hair is gonna grow back. <laughs> he's gonna need another haircut. We're gonna have to go through this exact same thing again. We have to go through it again. You know what I long for? <laughs> you know, everyone's always like, oh, you'll miss it. Not that. <laughs> like, uh, I'll miss a lot of things. Not that part. <laughs> but the, the thing that I'm looking forward to, the thing that I long for with Griffin is the day that I don't have to, like, cover his fear. I don't have to hold him and try to cover his fear and tell him it's okay. Like, I, I'm longing for the day I don't have to cover his fear anymore. I'm longing for the day that his fear has been cleared out of his life. And he's not afraid of haircuts anymore. I long for the day that he's like, looks forward to it. And me and him go to like, get our haircut together somewhere. Like that's, that's what I long for. That's what I look forward to. The day where his fear is not covered, it's been cleared. That's what humanity has longed for. Even people who don't really know how to articulate God in their bones, they've been waiting for the same thing. They're longing for the same thing. That someone can come in and take their guilt and take their shame and take their sin and their regrets and these things that even if they have a proud face in public, like, no, I, I don't care, I just kind of live my life. But in private, they know, man, I shouldn't have done that. Man, I shouldn't have said that. Humanity has been collectively longing for the day that all that stuff we've got, all those skeletons in our closet, for the day that they're not just covered up, they're not just pushed away into another room, but they're gone. They're cleared. They've been taken away. They've been dealt with once and for all. We all long for that. And under the old covenant, we weren't getting it. We needed better. We needed something better, and thank God that's exactly what we get in Jesus. 
In Jesus Christ, we get better. We have received better. Listen one more time. This is Hebrews 10, verse 11 through 14. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand, and there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. In Jesus, this is so important. In Jesus, your sins, when you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are not covered, they're cleared. The account has been cleared. There is, there is no debt, there's no debt, there's no outstanding balance. It has been taken care of, it has been dealt with. In Jesus, our sins are not just covered, they have been cleared. What Jesus has done, think about it this way, Jesus has taken the worst our sin could throw at him. He's taken it from us, took it away from us, and transferred us his best. He took our worst and gave us his best. That is the heart of the gospel. That's the essence of what the gospel is. He didn't just cover it up, he took it away. Let me keep talking about my kids because they're, man, they're perfect sermon illustrations. Lots of, whenever me and Jessica were getting ready to start having kids, we're like, you know what, they're perfect because it's like, you know, indentured servitude with the kids and it's walking little sermon illustrations and this is perfect, right? They give you a, a lifelong of content. So the, uh, my middle child, my youngest daughter, Evelyn, she is a free spirit. She's a free spirit. And I'm using that term like how whenever realtors will say a house is cozy, what it really means is that house is tiny, right? Like whenever someone says they're a free spirit, what that means is they're all over the place. That is that's Evelyn. Evelyn's just all over the place. She's just carefree. She's everywhere. And her room models that usually. Her room looks like a free, uh, a free spirit lives there. To, so much so to the point last night um, she was getting ready. Her and uh, Eden were going to have a friend uh, sleep over. The, uh, a neighbor girl who's good friends with them, Chloe, was getting ready to sleep over. And uh, <laughs> in the back seat, we're saying, hey, she's going to come. You guys got to make sure your rooms are clean. Like that's, that has to happen before she comes. In the back seat on the ride home, you can hear Evelyn quietly negotiating with Eden for Eden to come in and clean her room. <laughs> Evelyn's like trying to barter, like, hey, which snuggly you want? I got a couple snugglies. You can come take this snuggly. All you gotta do is clean my room for me. That's it. <laughs> like, she, she hates cleaning her room, hates doing it. So in the past, there's been other times when, you know, something's going on. We're like, hey, honey, you gotta go clean your room. And I can remember a specific instance where I told her she had to go clean her room. She's, <laughs> she goes up there. Comes down after a little bit and is like, I'm all done. I'm like, that was quick. And you go up there and it does, it looks good. Like whenever you walk in, the door is here and you look in and there's like, her bed is in the middle of her wall. So there's a little bit of space here and a little bit of space here. You walk in and it looks good until you walk in a little further <laughs> and you look on the far side of the bed back by the wall, there's just a huge pile of stuff. Just tons of stuff. There's tons of stuff there. But she threw a cover over it. <laughs> like, she just, <laughs> Just took her blanket and was like, boop, there we go, and clean, <laughs> right? She just consolidated all of it into a big pile and then just put a blanket over it. And she's like, I mean, it looks okay, right? And I'm like, yeah, it does actually. <laughs> like, it doesn't, doesn't look too bad. Like, it actually looks okay. And I think a lot of us, <laughs> we have this misconception that that's what's happened with our sin, 
That that's what's happened with our guilt, all of the things in our past, all the words, all the actions, all the thoughts, everything that we've done, is that Jesus has just like pushed it all into a room and he's covering it. And so whenever God walks by, Jesus is like, oh, nothing to see here. <laughs> I got it. Don't worry, we're good, we're good. Nothing to see here. That's what we think is happening with our sin. Jesus has not covered it. He's cleared it. It's gone. There, there is no, there's no blanket. There's no stuff under it anymore. There's no, well, just... It has been cleared, it has been taken care of. That's what Jesus' sacrifice has done. All of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our regrets, they have been nailed to his cross. I love the way that Paul says it in Colossians chapter two. He says that whenever Jesus went to the cross, effectively what he was doing, Jesus was taking the legal charge of debt against us. The written notice that called for our head and what Paul, what Paul is saying is that Jesus has taken that notice and he has nailed it to his cross. He has put to death everything that stood in opposition between us and God. So no, he's not just covering it up. He's not just making it look pretty. He's taken it away. It's done. It's gone. Once and for all, Jesus has taken care of us. And it gets better. It gets better. See, the Day of Atonement, like I was saying to you earlier, the Day of Atonement, it's something that uh, uh, had to happen every single year every single year because the sin was so great because people would continue to sin. Every single year they would have to do this. And whenever they would perform the, the, the sacrifices, what it would cover, the, the sacrifice would cover the sins of the previous year. So everything up to that point would be taken care of through the day of atonement. But guess what comes after today? Tomorrow. <laughs> More opportunities to get it wrong more opportunities to sin, more opportunities to fall short. And so that's why every single year they would have to have another day of atonement. And I wonder how many of us, without even meaning to, we treat Jesus' sacrifice the exact same way. We, we, you see Hebrews 10.4, it's impossible for the blood of, of goats or bulls to take away sin. It's, it's impossible and we so often, even if we don't mean to, we treat Jesus as if his sacrifice was just another bull or goat. We, we I mean, how many times, we joked about this last week, how many times have you been saved, right? I feel like I knew, ooh, I messed up again. I need to get re-saved. I need to ask Jesus into my heart again. I need to not, not repent, not like say, man, I'm sorry, Jesus, I messed up, but actively like, I, I think I would go to hell today. If, if I were to die today, I'll go to hell because I, I sinned. And so I need to ask Jesus back into my heart. We can treat Jesus' sacrifice the same way that they treated bull and goat sacrifices under the old covenant. We can treat it as if it is not sufficient for true victory, that it can't truly cover all of my sins. And think about even the way that we say it. Um, what's the common, the common tense? We say, I'm saved. Are you saved? Have you been saved, right? Everything is, is past tense, but here's the truth. Jesus hasn't just saved you. Jesus has saved you. Jesus saves you, and Jesus will save you. His salvation has no limit. It has no end. It, it starts before you can imagine, and it ends where you can't even begin to imagine. His, his sacrifice, his salvation is that sufficient for us. One last time, verse 11, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. 
once and for all. He has dealt with it. He has taken care of our sin. Uh, back in, in 2017, I, whenever me and Jessica still lived in Cleveland, I had to work uh, at Allstate. I, I was bivocational. I worked full-time at Allstate, full-time at our church. And so that's, that's what I was doing. And I needed a car to be able to get to Allstate. So we did a lease Never doing that again. That was awful, right? We met our mileage limit in no time, and so I had to park it because of that. It also had a scrape on it still from where I had hit a deer on my way to work on the turnpike, and so I was nervous as all get out. I'm like, I'm gonna end up, when I turn this car in, they're gonna be like, okay, you're overage on your miles, and the scrape, uh, that'll be $5,000. Like, that's what I'm expecting, right? Like, I'm expecting the worst. Uh, so I, I took a picture of the damage, took a picture of the odometer, sent it in, because uh, I just wanted to finally know what, what's the damage here. And it actually wasn't bad, comparatively. It was like a, a, uh, right around $1,000. It was like a little bit more. Um, so good, but I didn't have $1,000. <laughs> like I didn't have that money to just take care of it. But this is what's so cool. God's just so good. Um, right around that exact same time, like I'm talking within days, that same time is whenever uh, those tax cuts were passed, all those years ago, um, and a bunch of companies started doing one-time $1,000 bonuses, and Allstate was one of those companies. And so I had this $1,000 charge come up out of nowhere at the exact same time my company was giving a $1,000 bonus. It was just God showing off in so many ways. And so me and Jessica were like, this is incredible. God showed up for us. And so we paid it off, and it was awesome. But guess what? That $1,000 is gone. <laughs> like, it's a, it was gone that day we spent it to pay everything off back in 2017, and it has not reappeared. Like, it has not remultiplied. Allstate hasn't sent me any residual checks. Like, it's done and over with. And I don't know about you, I could use a few more $1,000 bonus checks. Who else could, would, you know, you wouldn't turn it away if it was offered, right? Absolutely. You wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> Because you need it. There's, there's things that you come up against in life. There's new bills. There's new debts that come up, and you need the money. But that money has been exhausted. It's gone. I need a new infusion of money. I need a new bonus. I need a new check to come in for me. And so often, we see Jesus' sacrifice as the exact same thing. Oh, no, it covered that whenever I was getting out of that relationship or whenever I was trying to get over that one sin. It covered that but now I'm in a different place and like I need to re-ask Jesus to do this or I need to, and you're forgetting the power of Jesus' salvation that it has covered all of it. Every sin you ever have or ever will commit, Jesus has covered it with his blood as long as you put your faith and trust in him. That's it. It's been handled once and for all, which makes me think about it this way. So me with the $1,000 bonus. On the flip side, in 2018, uh, there's a quarterback in the NFL, Kirk Cousins. In 2018, the year before, he had been traded from Washington to Minnesota, had a great season, and so Minnesota wants to lock him up long-term. So they give him the richest contract at the time in NFL history, the most guaranteed money anyone's ever gotten up to this point, three years, $84 million. And it's all guaranteed, which in the NFL is pretty crazy because the NFL, they could, the way that their business works, they could write you, they could say, we're signing you to a $400 million contract and 10 million are guaranteed. And so we, you only get paid the 10 million, then if we want to, we can void the contract and the remaining 390 million, you'll never see it. Like that's how the contracts work. So for the whole thing to be guaranteed, like nope, no matter what, you're getting all $84 million, that, that was nuts. Like it was a huge deal. And I can still remember to this day, Kirk Cousins sitting down 
at the press conference talking about it. And, you know, he's, he's signing this deal and he's crying, which talk about relatable, I'd be bawling. Like if I'm signing $84 million, oh, I'm so happy, right? Like this is the greatest day. He's, he's like just, he's blown away that he's doing this. He signed the contract and I can still remember how he phrased it whenever he's talking about that contract. He said, obviously I'm excited for myself and my wife and my kids. He said, but honestly, the thing that I'm thinking about with this money, it's changed the course of my family forever. Like it's, it's just changed everything. He's like, it's, it's so narrow-minded to think like, wow, 84 million. Now we, me and my wife and my kids can do whatever we want. He's like, no, I'm, I'm looking at this amount of money. My kids, 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 kids are gonna have a different life because of this contract. Like that's how far in the future this is affecting things. And not just that, this is so much money. It's not just affecting the future. It's retroactively affecting the past. I can go and family members that have debt, that have stuff that has happened in the past, I can just snap my fingers and it's gone. It's eliminated. He's like, this is absolutely life-changing money, not just for me, but for my entire family. Family I will never meet. Family I didn't meet before that the debt has been carried on. I can just take care of all of that. When we are talking about Jesus's salvation and what he offers us, that is the kind of sufficiency that we're talking about. Not something that's momentary or just helps you get over that drug addiction. It just helped me get through that thing with my divorce. It just helped me get through this. It is supposed to sustain you and get you through everything. Everything has been handled. Everything has been taken care of through the work of Jesus on the cross. He has given us something better. He's given us something better. Jesus has come and he has changed our lives for forever and for the better. And so in the last moments that we have together, this is what I wanna uh, say to you. And this, let me read this first real quick. This is from uh, verse 15. It says, and the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. Now what, this, what the Holy Spirit is testifying is so is everything we've been talking about today. That Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient, that it is good enough, that it does cover everything. That's what the Holy Spirit is testifying to. And you know why we need the Holy Spirit to testify that to us? because we have an enemy who's constantly telling us the opposite, who is constantly telling us, you think you're over that? <laughs> you think you're a new person? You know who you are. You know what you've done, you know what you've said, and you're not fooling, you may be able to fool them, you're not fooling me, I'm calling your bluff. You're still that same old person you've always been. You're still that same old sinner you've always been. You're not fooling me one bit. And so for every moment that we try to take a step forward into the gift that Jesus has offered us, our enemy is just constantly trying to pull us back saying, that's not you, and you know it's not you. You know that's not you, you know you're not that person. So we need the Holy Spirit testifying to us and telling us the truth of what Jesus has accomplished for us because we constantly need that reminder. And so this is what I would say. Every time the, the enemy tries to tell you it's not over, like, oh, no, no, that's sin in your life, it's not over. The, the way you've been, the way you've been thinking about things, it's not over. Every time the enemy hits you with a it's not over, answer back with a it is finished from the Spirit of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is testifying to us over and over again. Nope, it's finished. It's finished. All the stuff that used to weigh me down, that old identity, it's gone. That is not me anymore. That's not the kind of person I am anymore. I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that when Jesus enters into someone's life, 
the old is gone and the new is here. That you have stepped into a new day and that is exactly what the truth is that the spirit is testifying to God's people. Answer every it's not over from the enemy with a it is finished from the spirit. That's what the enemy wants. That's what the devil's trying to get us to do is to doubt the sufficiency of Jesus's victory. To just doubt it. Just enough that you always feel like you're uncertain with God and you don't really know where you stand with him. To always worry that he doesn't really love you the way that you think he loves you. Answer every it's not over with and it is finished. That's what the spirit is testifying to us. That's what it means. That's, that's the essence of what the new covenant is, is believing that whenever Jesus said it is finished, he really meant it. That whenever he said it's over, it really was over. That we don't have to worry anymore, that we don't have to be afraid anymore, that he truly cleared my sin, that he took the worst my sin had to offer and transferred his best over to me, that he saved me, he saves me and will save me. That's, that's what it means to walk in this new covenant reality. And lastly, this is the last thing I'll say uh, in our time together today. The last thing that uh, new covenant lifestyle points out is this idea, not just that Jesus has forgiven our sins, but that God forgets our sins. That is so powerful. Listen to this one last time. This is verse uh, eight, or 17 of Hebrews 10. Then God says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. I love that this is in here. I love, I love that it's better than God just forgiving us. That's something that we're supposed to do. That's something that we're supposed to do in, in interpersonal relationships with others. We're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to forgive others. Forgetting, we can't do. <laughs> we, we, literally, we, we, we literally can't. Like unless, unless you have something happen to your capability of, of thinking, you literally can't forget. You, you always know what happened. You always know. And so I love that God in this moment is revealing just how supernatural he is, just how otherworldly he is, that he's like, no, no, I'll do you one better than forgiving you of your sin. I'm not just going to forgive you of it and have this constant reminder that, hey, remember, remember what I forgave you of? Remember this thing? Remember how bad you were? I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget it. What you've done is going to hold zero bearing in our relationship going forward None. I'm never going to hold it against you. I'm never going to remind you of it. It's done and over with. It's not covered up. It's been cleared out. And so in light of that, in light of that, what we need to remember whenever we have those moments, when we're hopping in the shower, when we're going on a drive, whenever we're trying to put our head down to go to sleep at night and we have those thoughts come in our head and those regrets and those mistakes and those sins in our past, what we need to remember, what we need to remember, I don't need to focus on what God has forgotten. God's forgotten it, I don't need to keep remembering it. If God's forgiven it, I don't need to keep calling it back up. If God has forgiven me of it, as long as it's something that's per between me and God and I don't have restitution I need to do outside to someone I've hurt, as long as that's taken care of, when God has forgiven me, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I won't focus on what God has Forgotten. I will believe in the fact that when he says he loves me, he means it. That when he says he, it is finished, he means it. And when he says I don't need to hold on to my regrets anymore, he actually means it. We have to listen to the testimony of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to our heart in those moments when the enemy is lying through his teeth at us to remember and to hold on to the truth. No, no, no. He loves me. <laughs> He's forgiven me. 
He has cleared my account. He has forgotten my sin. So I'm going to forget my sin. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week. Thank you.